0: Welcome to this episode of Right Stuff, presented and produced by me, Chris Fitzgerald. This episode features Niall McMonagall, who is incredibly knowledgeable and passionate about poetry, which I think really comes across in this conversation too. He's a teacher and a collector of poetry, being responsible for some much-loved anthologies, including Lifelines and Windharp, and texts for presenting poetry to students like Poetry Now. I recorded this at the recent Listowel Writers Week so thanks a million to all those involved there for letting me do this. Please like, share, review, subscribe and you can follow me on Twitter at writestuffchris. This is Niall McMonagle. Niall, I just wanted to have a chat with you in general because you have been called what is it? The most
1: trusted commentator well, on now, poetry in Ireland. That's just spin, Chris, but you know, we'll just we'll just park that. But poetry is my favourite art form. I cannot understand and it saddens me no end that people are some people are indifferent to poetry because there's a poem out there for everyone. And if you look at it this way Language is something we all are blessed with mm-hmm. and it's the art form that's closest to us because, you know, a paintbrush and oil paint and canvas are picking up a musical instrument. They could be alien inis- mm-hmm. initially, but we all possess language, we speak mm-hmm. language, but when we see a poet at work, he or she takes the words that we might be very familiar with, but they shape and make them into something so special and there's something on the page that just speaks to us in an extraordinarily way. Wonderful way, I mean, I was listening to Toshani Doshi and John Kelly in their event at Listole this year, and just to hear how they are taken the world I mean Toshani Doshi has a poem about um Koreans combating suicide by doing coffin therapy. Now, she read about this in a newspaper. That's a very serious issue. But she, as it were, takes that idea, explores it in a poem. Or John Kelly will look at how his father was a carpenter. And in a way, he's exploring the relationship between him and his father. And then it segues into a kind of a meditation on Jesus' and uh, becoming a carpenter. So it brings you places mm-hmm. that you might not ordinarily go. But yeah, and like at the start of that, you said that
0: a lot of people are indifferent to poetry. It's not, I think it's even more than indifferent. Some people just have, that it's just, they're so reluctant to even approach it. It seems like it's inaccessible to a lot of people.
1: But what does poetry do, Chris? But mm. it tells you about one person telling you, the reader, what it's like to be in the world at this point in time. Mm. On the 13th of July, 1798, Wordsworth wrote composed in his head Mm. and wrote down in the one day the 153 line brilliant symphonic poem Tintern Abbey Mm. no one today is reading a newspaper from that date Mm. but somewhere right now Chris somewhere in the world they are listening to that 28 year old man talking about his life being lonely in cities how nature empowers him his Mm -hmm. relationship with his sister they were both orphaned very young and how nature sustains and helps him as it were through all the tedium and the loneliness in life. And I mean, life it's wonderful, but it can also know great darkness. And why is it that people, even indifferent to poetry, oh. find themselves approaching a poem at a time of crisis or great and deep emotion? A funeral, a wedding, the birth of a child. And the poet is someone for me who is. Um, always on the alert in terms of human experience. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, just using language that is, you know, it's, uh, you know, the the best words in the best order. That's what Coleridge said poetry is. And you can't be that for a definition.
0: Yeah. And just on that as well, I mean, you were talking to Niall Breslin here as well about um, kind of mental health issues. And, you know, there's that great quote from Paula Meehan about two lines of poetry can save a life. Yes. And so it is there for people in dark times. What is it about poetry that can kind of lift people out of their dark times, do you think?
1: Well, I think it either gives you an alternative to your own, say, dark state by reminding Mm. you that there are joyful moments too, Mm. or else it says to you, look, I've been there as well. And I know know that there are some very bleak narratives within poetry. You know, if you think of Sylvia Plath, it is shocking Mm. that she said no to life when she was so young and so talented. But even then, I mean, I've been teaching for 35 years. The young people in the classroom, they respond really well to Plath and Dickinson, Mm -hmm. those intense voices. And I think that adolescents even though there are people indifferent to poetry, I've seen people change their mind, and that's mm. the great joy about being a teacher, that they might be totally indifferent to poetry, but adolescence is a very intense mm. time, and so is poetry. It's an intense experience, and I think they're... they're There is a real connection between a poem and a page and a kid sitting in a classroom. And okay, you're sitting there in your scratchy uniform, you're in a box, a bell is about to ring, but you're also listening to a woman who lived a most interesting and strange life all those years ago, and she's speaking to you from her bedroom in Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. or Sylvia Plath is speaking to you from her farm in Devon. Mm -hmm. And I think that you, I mean, okay, Facebook, Twitter, fantastic, everyone dancing in cyberspace but the one-to-one that you get between a voice and a page and an individual is private, mm-hmm. it's silent. And and you mentioned Bressy, I mean, what an impressive individual. And he's come through, and in fact, OK, sport was a great release, music was a great release, but the memoir he wrote, Me and My mm-hmm. Mate Jeffrey, the writing of that was also a release. Mm-hmm. So using words, making and shaping them into a narrative form, and then going beyond that, I mean, I'm not sure will Bressy ever write a poem? poem. But I think for me, the ultimate human expression in verbal form is the poem.
0: Yeah, and it's accessible to everyone. I mean, it, it is, we all have the capability. Yes, you know? yeah. Um, but also now you've been involved with creating some of the most loved anthologies of poetry. And what for you makes a good anthology, I wonder? Like... I presume there's some kind of cohesion involved in it. But well, what, the, what the last
1: one it? I did, uh, my daughter says to me, Dad, another anthology. But yes, <laughs> I've done a few anthologies in my time. Yeah. I mean, I think the Lifelines, the lifelines. ones were extraordinary. Yeah. 650 people yeah. from all around the world and... Um, revealing themselves in mm. relation to poetry and some very private in their exploration. Or Nulani letter has been quoted in academic mm. studies on Derek Mahon mm. because she writes so well about Derek Mahon's Antarctica and the arrival of the bee box by Sylvia Plath. Mm. Other people might just write two lines, but even then, the choice of poem can be a real revelation. Mm. But, I mean, the Windharp, anthology I really enjoyed doing because I was telling the story of Ireland through its poets and poetry since 1916 and Mm -hmm. so you begin with Porrick Mm Pearce as the wayfarer I mean written so close to his own death celebrating life and um, valuing the beauty of life and then you come through poems that are exposing the dark side of Ireland and the Magdalene laundries, the um, beauty of the natural landscape, um, the whole conflict in the north of Ireland. Mm. So you've got men and women telling you something about Ireland as we move through the decades. There's a poem there about rural electrification. Mm. And the very first thing I put down in that anthology was a quotation from Paul Amien at the beginning of the short introduction. Paul Amien says... Nothing is ever lost that makes its way into poetry. So it's mm. a record mm. of mm. our life and times. And um, I've met people, you know, who've read it and they, they're American, mm. but they were grateful that they were given some kind of a narrative about a country they visit often and there were things in there that surprised them in terms mm. of just Irish poets um, revealing something of their take on the country that they, that they live and work in.
0: It becomes like a history book as well as a poetry yes, book, you it know, does. because it does. it's 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 almost like an oral history. Yes, but,
1: uh, yes, but I mean, um, the yes, you're right. Mm. It's it's a a snapshot or a a a, a more considered painting mm. of a a period in terms of that person thinking about his or her life and times or meditating on something in the past. Yeah, and these
0: these series, Lifelines and Wintarp, they they were for general poetry audiences. But that's you've also right. you've also yes, been involved with poetry now, which is for, for students. That's right, yeah. Um, I mean and what's the difference then when you're kind of
1: Well, I mean the, I mean, um, there there is the argument out there that oh um I hate, I hate when the teacher explains the poem to me. Why can't I have my own interpretation? Mm-hmm. Look, um, there, uh, the poet is um, someone who writes for himself. He's not writing for an audience, but the poem is sent out into the world. And then when you sit down to read the poem, there are things that you might um, like to be invited to think about. For example, if you look at the brilliance of Yeats and Easter 1916, mm. it's a poem in four stanzas. Two stanzas are 16 lines long, two stanzas are 24 lines long. 4, 16, 24. Yeats mm. says, I number them in my song in that poem. In the very numbering of the stanzas on the page, he builds in the date of that seismic event in Irish history. Mm. The fourth month, the 24th day, the year 1916. Now, if a kid... Never knew that. <laughs> uh, well, that, that, that lights up a kid's yeah, mind. Yeah. And their, their their respect for Yeats soars, even mm. at that little technical detail when you look at the poem. So, I mean, when I, when I, um, when i did those poetry textbooks for school and ongoing i like to think that i'm not telling them how to think i'm um, i'm telling them you know ways of approaching the poem mm. uh, that um the, the and i'm not telling them what to think mm. i'm just saying look here is a poem it's by a certain poet i give a biographical detail that they can ignore or not and i just i, I love scholarship when it comes to a detailed little Commentary on a word in the poem, and the poem is the thing, hmm. the poem and the page. But if they might want to look at the glossary, they might want to look at a critical commentary and just take on board what um, they say in relation to someone else, for example there 's a beautiful poem by Ivan Boland hmm. called um, this moment and it's a little lyric poem that moves down the page in very short lines but in the critical commentary i put all of the poem into two sentences as a piece of prose and it's just such a okay. different way of speaking that mm. poem because the poem needs to breathe mm. and offer you silences and mm. spaces so something like that i think is just a convenient way of saying of course the words are important but also the way the sh- poem is made and shaped mm. on
0: the page and on the page, but then also Yeats were often referred to his words as lyrics. and Oh, yes. Kind yes. Of, the, so I presume you'd be a proponent as well of reading out loud and oh, listening to poetry uh, as opposed not only to just reading, reading
1: out loud, Chris. I invite them mm. to learn a poem by heart. Mm. And, and I. Heaney
0: was a big proponent of that as oh, well. Oh, like, yes. Yeah.
1: I, I, I think that Poetry Aloud, this All Ireland um, um, celebration of the speaking of poetry aloud mm. in Dublin, uh, in Ireland, which takes place every. Um, November in Dublin is a wonderful thing last year 1,700 young people entered and they come with poems in their hearts and their heads in fact the woman who won last year was a woman from County Kerry and she spoke in her final a very challenging poem by Pablo Neruda about I'm telling you a few things and it's about the slaughter in Chile Mm. I mean uh, and, and in Spain I mean these are poems that are politically charged but it was amazing that this girl found that poem in life And I asked her afterwards, Magella Votta is her name, I said, why did you pick that particular poem as one of your poems? And she said, I have a great admiration for Fintan O'Toole, and it was his choice of poem in Lifelands. And it's a long-sustained poem, powerful. And if you possess a poem, you know, I always used to say to the uh, pupils in the classroom, look, it doesn't matter if you're wearing a million-dollar Armani suit or if you drive a big fancy... Car. What really matters is your use of language. um, And language most shows a man speak that I may see thee, says Ben Johnson. So if you have a poem in your heart and in your head, say like The Trees by Philip Larkin. Mm And it's one of my all-time favourite poems. It's just a fantastic thing to carry with you because it's optimistic. It celebrates the na- nature. It reminds you of the inevitable passing of time. And, you know, these are good things to think about. Mm. There's a lot of old nonsense in our head. Why not make space for something
0: beautiful? Yeah, it kind of purifies everything, yes, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You know? It does. And, like, as a scholar of poetry now, you've been, I suppose, following trends of poetry throughout... Centuries. Oh,
1: yes. I mean, you know, if, if you th- I, I always love um, challenging little 12 year olds with a very modern poem that's in free verse, mm. it's not in rhymed couplets, it might look odd and strange on the page. And I would say to them, now, if you brought that home to your grandparents, they might say, that's not poetry at all. And are they right? Or mm. could we be right in mm. saying, poetry is different now and there's a validity in mm. that?
0: And there's a new, I, I'm amazed to see this n- new popularity in Ireland and here in Kerry as well, the likes of Stephen Murphy performance poets. Oh yes, and, and Lem
1: Cissé say, say, um, yeah, yesterday yeah, at the yeah. Mr. Well, Writers Festival, a fantastic rapport with his audience yeah. and writing about things that are the stuff of newspapers mm. but he gives his own take on it mm. and there's a beautiful rhythmic pattern I think what poetry needs most of all is music mm. and it's not you know the ding dong ding dong down the the down the page with rhyming at the every end line mm. it's the music within Elizabeth Bishop is a poet who is she is such a master of slant rhyme. Mm-hmm. So if you look at her poem on the page, you can find a word in line three, and it's being taken up again in line five, not in the end of the line, somewhere else in the middle. Mm-hmm. So I love that kind of... Um, analytical study. I mean, you know, people say, oh, looking at a poem and over-analysing it is cutting the throat of the bird to see what makes it sing. No, it isn't. It's just looking at the ability of the poet to make something so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's a poem by Seamus Heaney called um, Mother of the Groom. And again, when I had a class of 12-year-olds, I'd say, OK, let's play weddings. And I'd have the boys and the girls come up to the top of the class, six or eight of them, and we'd have the bride and the groom and we'd have the father of the bride and then we'd have the mother of the groom and i'd ask the kids now just focus on that woman the mother of the groom what might she be thinking this very day Mm -hmm. she's sitting there it's a day of great happiness and um we'd talk about you know the the memories she might have etc and then i'd have them look at heaney's little lyric poem mother of the groom and it's all about Uh, The the, the dominant image in the poem is his use of hands. Mm -hmm. And Mother of the Groom goes, what she remembers is his glistening back in the bath, his small boots in the ring of boots at her feet. And he goes on to talk about how now she's sitting there, hands in her voided lap, Mm. She hears a daughter welcomed. It's as if he kicked when lifted and slipped her soapy hold. And the lyric poem ends, One soap would ease off the wedding ring That's bedded forever now in her clapping hand. Now that's just a Mm. glorious, beautiful poem. And the hand and the empty lap and the the clapping hand absolutely
0: beautiful oh incredible yeah. Nile, it's been a pleasure to hear your passion for poetry <laughs> like it's kind of it's so early in the morning as well so I'll, I'll let you have your breakfast Nile, that was an absolute pleasure thank you thanks so much very much Chris thank you that was great all the best thanks Nile.